chapter seven of recollections of a missionary in the great west by cyrus townsend brady this librivox recording is in the public domain one day on the frisco road the engine broke down it was a freight train and i was the only passenger consequently i went out and worked with the train crew pulling and heaving and hauling with the rest i knew something about the principles of mechanics and was familiar with the machine as well being quite capable of running the engine myself and was therefore able to advise them to some purpose the work was carried on under a vigorous and uninterrupted flow of profanity profusely and picturesquely weird in the highest degree it was not so shocking as it might be under other circumstances for i knew the men meant nothing by it that it was only a matter of habit with them as it is with ninety people out of a hundred who are guilty of the same bad practice finally i suggested an interruption in the swearing as i was a preacher the head brakeman dropped his crowbar with a look of abject astonishment everybody else let go at the same time and the engine settled down again they looked at me in consternation which was very amusing hell and blazes said the conductor you are a what a preacher i replied well i'm damned he answered with a long whistle of astonishment he regarded me thoughtfully for a moment and finally said well sir you work like a man anyway catch hold again all right i answered smiling at his frankness but no more swearing on this trip nope was the laconic reply and the promise was kept at the close of our manoeuvres when we all stood panting but successful the engineer remarked well it's the first time i ever saw a preacher that knowed a reversing lever from a box-car before come up and ride with me the rest of the way aside from his profanity i found him a pleasant and interesting companion and whenever i made the town at the end of his run he never failed to come to church on that same train earlier in the day i rode for a long distance alone with a living interrogation point as i am something of an interrogation point myself as far as regards men from whom i make a practice of constantly seeking to acquire information on the subjects they know we clashed considerably just before he got off he was speaking of some friend of his and said in a very naive way yes john is a very different man from me we ain't one bit alike and john is one of the most honest men i ever knew i was glad after that statement that he did not try to borrow a dollar from me before he left speaking of a most honest man reminds me of another old friend of mine who rejoiced under the peculiar name of orsimus stokem once when referring to a sermon he had heard me preach he remarked that it was a very good sermon but pretty middlin long and he thought i must a got awful tired preachin it i had i did not always meet with pleasant receptions at new places and i was warned on one occasion that no services were desired and that none would be permitted and that if i consulted my own interests and the interests of peace and harmony which i was supposed to promote i would stay away of course after that nothing on earth could keep a man from going to just that place on my arrival i was met by a large body of citizens who had no interest either in me or in religion but who were determined to see fair play 
they escorted me to a hotel had secured a vacant store building and were all ready for trouble if those whom they called the anti-religious faction desired to make any in fact i think they were thirsting for trouble there were no women at services that night nothing but men and uh, guns i did not feel particularly cheerful but managed to get through some way and tried somehow or other to win over the opposing faction so that in subsequent visits guns would be laid aside but we had no trouble and i managed to get hold of them all eventually so that my truculent escort was dispensed with in future visits and the women came to church when once you get the friendship of those frontiersmen you are all right you can say anything to them but they are so very hasty with their weapons that frequently you do not have an opportunity to get properly introduced later at this very town i was present at a little entertainment given for the benefit of the church and it was certainly entertaining there were no programmes so just before the curtain rose an embarrassed young man came out on the stage and stated that there was to be a queen of fame who had a laurel wreath which she would award to the most correctly represented historical character present he closed with this sentence the curtain will now raise then the characters come in one by one and each particular character says what is or her particular claim to this here wreath the curtain rose the goddess appeared and then the characters particular and otherwise made their appearance before her it was indescribably funny isaac walton was dressed in a pair of patent wading boots and a cork helmet pocahontas flirting with a japanese fan michelangelo in a bicycle suit and a grey wig and beard xanthippe wearing a red cheesecloth waist tight-fitting with apron and white mob-cap and carrying a fire-shovel with which to coerce the unfortunate socrates who was gloomily enshrouded in an appropriate black domino n b the costumes were not meant to be burlesque and the whole thing was serious very serious to the performers and mainly so to the audience except to me diogenes was wrapped in a navajo blanket leif ericson was dressed in an astonishing costume decorated with feathers and scalps his feet covered with indian moccasins and a lady's white ruche tied round each ankle emma abbott nielsen and jenny lynn each sang songs joan of arc appeared in knickerbockers and boots carrying the cover of a wash-boiler miriam led her jewish maidens on deck one of them merrily playing on a banjo and so on during the intermission as this was professedly a semi-religious affair the orchestra which consisted of two fiddles and a horn played an anthem and finished with the hallelujah chorus the alleluia portion being taken by the melancholy trombone i said at the close that i had learned more in one brief evening than i ever thought possible i knew more about ancient costumes than ever before this is a description of one of the most primitive towns i ever ministered to which i take from a letter written at the time it is a frontier cattle town of the kind you read about in dime novels if you ever read any 
it consists of one long straggling street lined on both sides with frame stores saloons and gambling dens mostly unpainted there are twelve saloons on the street and only about three hundred people in the town faro kino craps and every other kind of gambling games are going on at full blast and with no attempt at concealment there every man you meet carries a forty five i e a forty five caliber revolver and a belt of cartridges at his waist i stayed at the grand central the magnificence of the name and the comforts of the hotel are in an inverse ratio to each other the rooms are tiny and the partitions thin boards or canvas screens therefore the conversations are audible and forcible i asked for toast last night at supper and had the pleasure of hearing the cook inquire what in blank does a blank dude preacher want toast at night for tell him he can't have it i ain't given out no toast to nobody at this hour if i had known how he would have taken it i would have starved before i asked for it there is not a tree in the town and no grass i know places where not even the cottonwood would grow in spite of the fact that the ground around the trees for ten feet in every direction was ploughed up and watered regularly the streets are as hard as iron it has not rained for months water however does not appear to be in demand very few drink it and not many wash the day before i arrived three desperadoes broke out of the jail after killing a guard armed themselves and fled the sheriff and a posse made up of all the male citizens and a few of the female immediately started in pursuit overtook them fought them killed two of them and wounded another desperately one of the deputy sheriffs had his arm blown off in the fight this was looked upon as quite an ordinary affair exciting little comment and only elicited a brief notice in the weekly newspaper with a significant warning to the rest of the prisoners in the jail to stay there until they were released i should think they would stay i never felt so peaceable in my life i really have no desire to quarrel with any one the church is an unsealed unsheathed wooden building unpainted also the only church in town everybody nearly comes to church to services they look upon it as an intellectual diversion perhaps and as a relief from the monotony of pharaoh at which they always lose this morning while waiting for service time i stood in the big general store and watched the scene it struck me as something incongruous to see a six-foot man bearded like the pard with a moustache fierce enough for don cesar de bazan with a red flannel shirt on and armed with the usual forty-five selling baby clothes it amused me inwardly but i assure you i was grave outwardly as i stood by and watched the transaction i could not have expressed my real feelings for the whole store most of the clerks were as piratical looking as the one mentioned and most of the customers ditto there was a street fight this morning between two ruffians about a claim in which one was badly used up the monotony of the landscape was also broken by the attempt of a famous buck jumper to conquer an equally famous bronco the man finally won but it was after a struggle which almost beggars description they tell me that it is very quiet here and that i should see the city on saturday and sunday when the boys are in from the range 
heaven forbid it has been bitter cold all day and night and is about a hundred degrees this morning the wind blew a simoon from the south all day thursday and it was as hot as india's coral strand on friday a norther swept down upon us and the temperature makes one think of greenland's icy mountains the inhabitants themselves remind me of another line of that old missionary hymn we know not what the weather will be later on it has not yet developed many of the inhabitants live in dugouts some in sod houses with here and there a lonesome staring ambitious wretched little queen anne cottage unpainted this did not seem a very promising field for the church yet we subsequently succeeded in establishing services and now the mission is thriving and the character of the town is entirely changed one of my sunday circuits necessitated a start from my home at one o'clock on saturday afternoon by continuous travelling i would reach my first point at seven o'clock sunday morning services were at half-past seven in a pretty little farm church several miles from the station built right out in the fields this church was afterwards destroyed by a cyclone the farmers who made up the congregation had no money but they had land and they each one of them planted one acre of their best land in wheat which was to be harvested and sold for the new church the crops failed next year they planted two acres the crops failed again and the third year they planted three acres and had a fine harvest the proceeds of which they religiously set aside for the new church building fund which presently enabled them to replace the wrecked building such perseverance i have not often seen every time they lost they doubled the stakes on the lord's side till they won after that early service which be it remembered they only had once in about five or six weeks i drove or rode to a little town nine miles away the church people in that town were of a different sort and i frequently had to sweep and dust out the building and in winter kindle the fire myself besides ringing the church bell which was a very large hand affair such as auctioneers or small restaurant keepers use i have often stood on the street and swung that bell until i could gather some sort of a congregation this was only at first however for later the people waked up and did what was proper when that service was over i would get a lunch packed in a little basket at first i had it packed at a hotel but afterwards the people did it for me and very nice lunches they were armed with my little basket i would drive twelve miles to another town holding a service there about two o'clock after which i would take the afternoon train for my fourth station and service at night sometimes not always but almost every other time i would have to ride between twenty and thirty miles to catch another train and this would compel me to get up about two o'clock in the morning those were hustling times though an eastern man i learned to hustle with the rest so much so in fact that i have never been able to get out of the habit and i was recently told therefore that i was too western for a civilized diocese speaking of lunches put up for me nothing could exceed the generosity of the people with what they had i used to reach home generally feeling and looking like a truck-wagon 
pots of jam the omnipresent preserves they were worse on preserves out there than a new englander is with his pie jars of pickled onions fruit loaves of homemade bread i carried them all home but my crowning achievement was the transportation of several pounds of scrapple for five days over a thousand miles of country there was only one place in eighty thousand square miles of territory in which that delectable compound was made by an old pennsylvania friend of mine and i was determined to get it home i succeeded but the oleaginous concoction ruined my grip one of the churches i mentioned a moment since had been built by an english farm colony which as its members knew nothing of farming came quickly to grief the pretty little building stood alone on the prairie utterly useless one fine day we raised it on wheels hitched teams to it and hauled it some twenty miles over the prairie fortunately there were no watercourses intervening to a little town where it found a permanent abiding-place and did good service we often moved church buildings over the country following the people after busted booms had forced them into other localities when i stayed longer than an hour or two in any place i always told the people to have as many services as they liked that i would conduct them and preach at all of them as many of them only had services when i would come to them once every six weeks or so they often availed themselves of my permission and sometimes astonished me by the number of occasions for preaching and services that were invented after i had succeeded in working up two or three missions in any neighbourhood to a partially self-supporting basis the bishop would get a little money from the east and add to it what the people could provide and we would put a resident missionary in the field in fact that was my chief duty i was only to break up the ground and prepare the way a sort of ecclesiastical pioneer but there were some places that were too poor or too far away ever to be combined and these i took care of all the time train robberies and bank robberies were frequent we were used to them i remember the wife and daughter of a friend of mine an army officer stationed on the frontier were going east as the train started out of chicago they heard sounds like pistol shots from the roadside the woman and her daughter immediately dropped to the floor between the seats of the pullman and crouched down remaining thus concealed until they saw they were attracting a great deal of attention from the amused passengers when they were asked for an explanation of their singular conduct they could only say that they thought that it was a hold-up of the train and they were doing as they had been taught i was at coffeeville a day or two after the famous raid by the daltons in which all the raiders were killed except one who was desperately wounded and captured in the action several of the citizens lost their lives as well the town for months after was in a state of siege every man had a winchester in his office or store and it was almost as much as his life was worth for a suspicious character to enter a bank revolvers were sprinkled everywhere in one little town where there was but one bank two men rode into town in the morning walked into the bank shot the president dead mortally wounded the cashier the clerk fortunately for him being at the post office the men seized all the available cash inside the counter and rode off they were immediately pursued by the citizens led by the city marshal 
the robbers hard pressed took shelter in a coulee or gully they had chosen a strong position for defence and had put one or two bullets into some careless and reckless citizens before they were discovered the coulee which was a very short one filled with dry wood and underbrush was immediately surrounded by the posse after a consultation they sent back to town for several barrels of oil which they poured down the ravine from the hill or the inside inn and then set fire to the mass the bank robbers stood it as long as they could and came staggering out of the opening blinded by the smoke firing irregularly they wounded one man but were promptly lassoed and deprived of their weapons trial was dispensed with and the prisoners were mounted on the tail of a wagon a noose was cast about each man's neck and the ends of the ropes fastened to the limb of a stumpy tree got anything to say before you die asked the marshal grimly nothin said the leader of the band of two a boy of twenty-one years of age we did it i shot the cashier myself we'll show you that we ain't afraid of you we only want you to tell the boys that we died game we'll do it said the marshal appreciatively get up he laconically shouted to the bronco and that was all that was the town in which i buried the daughter of the king of whom i told you End of chapter seven